Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible, because we're already doing it, all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hello, and welcome to the Money Nerds podcast, where owning a calculator, budgeting your money, and having a net worth is actually cool. I'm your host, Whitney Hansen, and each week I'll be chatting with inspiring people to learn their secrets to financial success. Now let's dive into the show. Okay, did you watch the documentary Get Smart With Money? This was on Netflix and it was such a good one that taught so many good practical financial tips and it followed different people from completely different lifestyles and really showed how these different people can better their finances in some way. You know which one I'm talking about? If you haven't watched it yet, make sure you go check it out. It's on Netflix. It's called Get Smart With Money. So today's guest was actually on that documentary, Kim Mazel. And if you aren't familiar with Kim, she is an entrepreneur and feminine freedom coach who supports female business owners who are ready to break out of the deficit mindsets and hustle culture and instead drop into trusting and embodying feminine flow in their businesses to create abundance and space for what really matters, presence, creativity, play, connection, spirituality, health, and wellness. As a licensed psychotherapist of 15 years, Kim has supported women internationally to develop businesses and careers way beyond the nine to five box that shake up old toxic patriarchal and society paradigms to embody feminine empowerment and divinity. Additionally, Kim founded and manages a thriving psychotherapy practice in Denver and the Boulder metro areas and provides accessible support for the women healing from trauma and childhood wounds. In her free time, you can find Kim hanging out with her partner and three and five-year-old kiddos biking, hiking, painting, dancing, or exploring. Kim was also featured on the Netflix documentary, and it was really fun to see that she had such a different experience. Her business was kicking butt. It was growing really, really quickly. And for her, it was getting into the root of why is she doing what she's doing and refocusing on fire, which is financial independent retiring early. So for Kim and her husband, it was a little bit more around the financial independence piece, but I thought it was really fun to pick her brain. In this episode, we cover a lot of ground. We talk about how the concept of hustle can actually be toxic applying to be in the Netflix documentary, Get Smart With Money and Being Chosen, what it was like going through a year of coaching with Mr. Money Mustache. That's who her financial coach during that year 
was Kim and her husband's spending habits over the course of the documentary. This I thought was so interesting. It was really fun to see. I mean, they had to bear all, which is kind of intimidating. I can't even imagine sharing all of my personal information to the entire world. That's a little scary. But we talk about their spending habits over the course of that documentary. We also have a really good conversation around what financial abundance is and the difference between abundance and restriction, which I think so many of us need to hear and can relate to. We talk about being truly open to opportunities and their relation to your energy, why hiring a coach can help you tap into your higher potential, and so much more. I think you guys are going to really enjoy this episode. I know I definitely learned a lot, and it was so fun to pick Kim's brain about what it was like to be on a documentary and go through a really intensive year-long coaching process. I thought it was very interesting and I think you guys will enjoy it too. Without further ado, let's go ahead and turn the mic over to my friend, Kim Missal. I always like to tell people how we cross paths. So we are in a mastermind together and then you were recently featured in a documentary. So like, hold up, let's like do like a back, like, let's zoom out a little bit. So tell everybody, what do you do for a living? Like, what is your job? Sure. Um, so I'm, I, I just recently realized I need to call myself an entrepreneur that happened. Um, I am a business owner and I own two businesses. I own a psychotherapy practice. And then I also own a coaching practice and I do some coaching as well myself. So I focus on um, women's empowerment, essentially like tapping into your magic, um, your feminine, you know, your feminine spirituality and flow and confidence and and power, all of that. I think a lot of people sometimes hear that too, especially when we talk about energies and all of this kind of stuff. And and this is like the financial world. So they're like, what is this woo? Like they, they don't quite understand it. <laughs> so I think That's it's fair. so interesting. So tell us a little bit about what is this practice and like, why does this actually truly affect all of us? Even if we don't think that it does. That's a very solid question. Um, <clears throat> I mean, the way you function impacts your finances, impacts everything you do. And I truly believe that money is just a rep- representation of your energy, right? Like Money is energy. If you are in deficit, your finances are going to be in deficit. If you are in abundance, your finances are going to be in abundance. Like, so you can call it woo. You can call it, you know, quantum physics. You can call it whatever you want, but it's there, whether you want to acknowledge it or not. If you're not in alignment with your, your soul, your body, your emotions, your, yourself, then you're not going to have as expansive out of a life or meet your potential, um, you know, the, the possibilities that you possibly could, like you have, you have to be in alignment to reach your potential. I completely agree with that. I think when I first started realizing that the energies and the, the energies, I know we're going to talk about masculine versus feminine and what that actually looks like in your life. Right. But I noticed that a lot of the energy that I was bringing to the table in my early career was, more of that masculine energy, that hustle, hustle, hustle. And it's something I've had to reprogram myself to not always hustle and try so hard. Like it's like, it's okay Mm -hmm. to take those, those rest pauses, but that was something I really had to re kind of rewire my brain on and I'm still working on. It's a constant process. Like I think hustle, um, is what I would call toxic masculine, it's not even necessarily masculine in alignment. It's, mm. 
I, I would call it toxic. Um, and I think our whole culture is set up to be that way. And I do think, you know, this is taking it to a whole other place, but I do think that that's an aspect of the way that a lot of people in our culture are oppressed, you know, because yeah. when you're hustling, there's no space for you at the end of the day to grow. And so it's just a cyclical thing where you're you're hustling, you're exhausted, so you don't do any growth work. And then you hustle some more to try to keep up the next day. And it just keeps going like that. And you never get the chance to break out of the hustle. Mm -hmm. And so I do think this is like a toxic aspect of our culture that keeps a lot of people stuck. I totally agree. I'm curious with energy work and like all of this stuff that you have been helping others understand, was this something that was taught to you in your, your education? Or is this like something that they don't even touch on as a psychotherapist? Oh my gosh, no. <laughs> <laughs> really? You would think they would, but maybe not. <laughs> I mean, it depends where you go. Like there's awesome schools like Naropa out here in Boulder that are more um, spiritually inclined. But most grad schools, if you go to school for, I mean, I went to school for counseling mm -hmm. and um, I went to school for art therapy, actually. And even that was a little bit more spiritual because like it's getting into metaphors and yeah. Young, Jungian work. So it's more archetypes. So it's a bit more spiritual, but even then, like, are we talking about energy and abundance and like, no, we're talking about like attentive listening. Um, so in school, you don't, I don't know, they only kind of teach the basics in a master's degree. And if you want to learn more, you kind of have to seek it out after mm. grad school. I mean, it depends on your school. Like I learned a lot about trauma when it was pretty cutting edge. I mean, this was like, God, 15 years ago, mm -hmm. I was learning about trauma and how it lived in the body. And that was pretty new to the mm -hmm. field at that point. So, but I still talk to people all the time that are coming out of school and they're like, they they know nothing about somatic work or even, tra you know, trauma healing still like pretty new to schools and I know there's a lot more out there aside from what they teach you in grad school. <laughs> yeah, it does seem that way. I'm curious for for your practice. So you you're a psychotherapist now. So let's like maybe stop for a sec. What does that actually mean? Uh, yeah, so I went to school to study psychology um, and art. Well, so my under or my my undergraduate degree was in art. Actually, started as an engineer and then switched into art. Oh, crazy. <laughs> And then um, I was out of school doing photography for a year or so. And then I went back to grad school and um, decided to do art therapy because I didn't want to, I didn't really like the consumeristic aspect of art um, and the idea that I had to create something for other people, which is, you know, sounds very selfish, but I, I created art to express and to process. And I realized, oh, art therapy, like I am doing art therapy. I am processing my psychology through art. So that that's what I did for a good portion of my career. I helped people process their emotions, their relationships, trauma through art, mm -hmm. and then got into somatic work, which is the use of the body in that process. So it's tapping into how is trauma, how is, how are wounds trapped in your body and how can you release them through the body 
And the reason I started to go into that is because I, I found that that's a much more effective way to heal, much more efficient, effective way to heal. Um, so since then have been doing a lot of that and also incorporating, uh, spirituality into that work. I love that. And when did coaching come into your, your business mix? Um, it, it was, I always forget which baby it came with. It came with one maternity leave for one of my kids. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was just looking to expand my, my career, my business. I kind of capped out in my, in my psych, psych work. And I was like, Oh, well, I'll just get a business coach. And I just sort of randomly landed with this woman that was teaching people how to create coaching programs. And so I did it. And then I realized how much I loved coaching and how much more freedom I had as a coach and took it and ran with it big time. That is so cool. I love that. So you're growing your business. You've got two businesses. You got a family, like you're, you're a busy gal. And then all of a sudden you show up on a documentary on Netflix called (laughs) Getting Smart With Money. What the crap? Like, how did that come into your world? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, so I am not necessarily the most uh, financially savvy human being. And um, so you're normal. (laughs) Yeah. um, Yes. uh, You know, I was like an avoider for a long time. I did kind of like some budgeting, but I didn't ever have the money to do anything beyond just budgeting. Um, And then my business started growing. And then my sister and her husband, they were following Mr. Money Mustache for a long time. And I kind of was like on his mailing list. So I'd read his stuff every once in a while. Got some nuggets out of it here or there, but I'm just not like a, I'm not like a blog reader. Mm -hmm. So I didn't really read too often. And my sister sent me the casting call for Mr. Money Mustache. She she was like, you should do this. And I was like, okay. And so I submitted the application right away. And she's like, you're going to get it. This is like the least spiritual intuitive. Like she's not somebody that I've ever talked to about intuition or anything, but she was like so clear that I was going to be chosen for this. It was super weird. And like a week later, we were uh, get like invited to be part of the film. So we went through a few, a few interviews and they were like, Oh yeah. Well, like we've decided to pick you guys. Do you want to be part of this? And we're like, Oh shit. Now we actually have to like, decide. Oh like, <laughs> That's so scary. Like, yeah. Like, should we put our whole financial world on blast? You know, like, right. Is this going to impact our kids? Like, can we put our kids on film? It was mm-hmm. just a lot of like, do we invite the world into our personal and vulnerable lives? And yeah, it was pretty, a pretty intense conversation. And we were both just going through like waves of like intense anxiety talking about it. Like, totally. I would, you know, (laughs) Um, but we decided that, you know, a, we wanted free financial coaching because who doesn't want free. It was so weird because like a year before I was looking for a Mr. Money mustache, like kind of coach. Oh yeah. And I couldn't find one. So I was like, well, fuck it. I, you know, just let that go. And then this came around like a year later. I was like, Oh, did I manifest this? Probably. (laughs) I agree. (laughs) Probably. So yeah. Um, 
Yeah, we we decided to do it because A, we wanted financial coaching for free and B, we felt like it would be in in the service of all the other people in the world that are going through a vulnerable experience with their finances. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at every level of income, it's not like, you know, you get to a certain level and suddenly you figure it all out and it's easy. Mm-hmm. It's It gets more spacious and it gets less scary, like less... Um, less about stability and survival, but it's still, you know, if you have larger amounts of money, it almost becomes like scarier to figure out what to do with it sometimes. So, you know, in service of like other people and helping them see the possibilities and the process and, you know, we decided to, to do it. I love it so much. And how long was that process? It looked like it was kind of a long time. Is that true? Yeah, it was about a year. Um, I always get confused about all the timelines, but it was, it was about a year, I think. Nice. Yeah. And then over that year, was it meeting once a month? Like how, how were you guys making sure that you were progressing? So the, the movie people, as we called them in our house, they came, um, like once a quarter basically. Oh, cool. Um, and Pete or sorry, Mr. Money Mustache, we call him Pete. Um, <laughs> um, we, you know, were in contact with him throughout. So we were doing meetings authentically on camera, talking about different things that we were like learning and deciding. But we also were meeting or, you know, conversing over email and spreadsheets and mm-hmm. all that in between too. I like it. What made you guys decide that you wanted a financial change? Yeah, we just were kind of ignorant of what to do. We had so my dad's really great with money. He's he's awesome. Um, but he's from a different generation. <laughs> and so it was really hard because I I tried to reach out to him and but then felt like his choices were misaligned for me and then other people I tried to reach out to just weren't open to talking about their finances and how they handle things. And so we were really looking for a financial advisor that was from our generation or like could speak to the current world of finances. Yeah. Like we had a financial advisor from at Merrill Lynch and like he was my dad's advisor and he's, he's great for my dad but the things that he was suggesting for us felt like very, I don't know, just not, not quite right, you know? Yeah. Um, and then in the process of the film, we realized like, oh, it doesn't even make sense to have a financial advisor. Like that's really expensive, <laughs> unnecessarily sure. expensive. So yeah, it was really about finding somebody that was willing to help us and um, could, could help us with the current state of the financial world. When we just didn't know what to do with our money, right? Like we had just finally gotten past this point where, you know, when you start having babies, it's like you you have to buy a house that fits everybody or, you you know, you have to have the money to have a space that fits everybody. Sure. So you, if you're buying a house, it's like down payments and then you have your starter house and then you have your like the second house that's actually the like home base that's bigger, which is what most people do, right? And then... Every time you do that, you blow through all of your savings 
and then you have babies and you pay $10,000 in C-section fees, you know. Totally. So it just felt like every time we had built a little nest egg, it got used Mm -hmm. appropriately. So, but we had finally gotten past that point and were ready to actually invest some money. And I was making a decent income for my business. Um, and we didn't know what to do with it. Yeah. And then you, you go through this process and I know like all financial stuff, you have to look at the budget. (laughs) (laughs) And so I presume you guys sat down and said, okay, here's our income, here's our expenses. And it looked as though through the documentary, you had to start paring some things down. Yeah. I'm curious how that process was for you and for your husband. Was this like something where each of you had different feelings on this? <laughs> you know, he's like, uh, he's a very happy-go-lucky guy, which I am like fortunate to have in my life because I am like a very like intense human being. <laughs> I'm like, a, this has to be this way. We're doing this. And like, I put a lot of energy into my growth process. So other people might call me difficult. He he's like very chill and it works really well for us. So as like the thousands of Amazon boxes are coming to our door, he never says anything. Like he's so, he's so kind. Um, so for me, it was a personal, you know, reckoning of my Amazon spending for the most part. (laughs) He, but he's like a, I buy really expensive sports gear every so often and it doesn't count because Mm. it's only every so often. Like that's his bad spending (laughs) habit. Yep. And I'm like, I buy lots of little things that are inexpensive that I'm like, Oh, like it's so inexpensive. Like it doesn't, it doesn't count. Mm -hmm. So those are our, those are our issues with spending. And yeah, it was, um, I mean, I knew, (laughs) This is so terrible. I knew going in that I was going to have to stop spending. So like right before the film, I bought like an iPhone and like I got a SoulCycle bike and like spent all the money right before, which is hilarious because they show right before, you know, when at the beginning of the film, they show our like Amazon, Amazon, Amazon. That was like my binge spending that happened right before I knew that I wasn't going to be able to spend for like the next year (laughs) at least, you know? So, um, yeah, it was, it was okay. Like I knew it was coming. Um, and we've done it before. That's the thing is like when the kids were little, we didn't have the money to spend. So we, I'm pretty, I'm disciplined when I don't have the money to spend, Mm, that's so, I find that's true for a lot of people. And I don't know if it's out of necessity or what it is, but for some reason, when we start doing okay for ourselves and we, we are making an all right salary, we're doing pretty good. We're like, okay, this is great. Yes. It's harder. It's harder to be disciplined. It really yeah, is. I think so too. And I think like what was really helpful for us was having a goal for where that money was going. Mm-hmm. So instead of just having it be like, I have this money and I can just spend it. And instead like, oh no, this goes, this is going towards a much greater goal. Mm. And that was a really helpful way for me to curb that habit. Cause it made it meaningful rather than just like buying these short-term, um, you know, comforts and rewards, you know, for sure. What was that goal for you that finally got you on board? 
Uh, I think early retirement was the original one that kind of landed. We're like, oh, I could not work at a certain point. That sounds amazing. (laughs) Sign me up. (laughs) Yeah. That was like the first one. And then we added in family vacations to our yearly budget. Um, And recently it's been like time off for myself too. Mm. So I think the first iteration for sure was, oh, like we could not work in seven, five, seven years if we just save money. Which is incredible. Like when you see that on paper, I think it's so different than reading about it or hearing a podcast episode where somebody talks about it. When you see that it's possible for you, yeah, it's a lot easier to get bought in. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was like mind blowing. It felt like the biggest weight lifted from my shoulders because I have I have really hustled in my career. You have. You know, like the beginning of my career, I was making 30K out of grad school and I had all of these. I mean, thankfully, I didn't have to pay for undergrad because my I was I had tuition remission. My mom was a professor. Oh, cool. <laughs> um, and then I had an inheritance from an uncle that paid for grad school. So like I didn't have a lot of debt, but still like living off of 30K in the DC metro area is like, damn near impossible. (laughs) Yeah. That's like nothing. So yeah, I've really, I have hustled a lot in my career and I'm at a point where finally I can stop. I mean, I've scaled my business to that place, which is really nice, but also we could not work anymore in X amount of years, you know? Yeah. Do you foresee yourself? I'm always so curious about this. I think a lot of times people glamorize early retirement and they get to the point where they're like, I'm going to be done working. I'm just not, you know, I'm I'm not opening up my computer again. Do you truly foresee that happening for you? Or do you think you'll always be doing something as like a, a yeah. career? Well, I've loosened up on that idea of being done in five to seven years because I've realized that actually, so I had a kidney stone. I ended up in the hospital in February and yeah, and it kind of opened my eyes to the the fact that I needed to have more space in my daily schedule for mm-hmm. my body and health. Um, so I've actually kind of like, A, scaled my business so that I'm not doing as much of the actual hands-on work with clients and B, decided I need to have time in my year for family vacations, for time off, for like me time in my day to day. So Mm -hmm. it, I am, and our kids, you know, they're going to be at home for the next 15 years. So it doesn't necessarily even make sense for us to stop working. If you know, I don't know that we will, but what has really landed for me is the reality that I could offer my services for free at some point which feels so amazing. Like the idea that at a certain point I could just share all the expertise and support people in everything that I've been doing for the last 15 years for free. That feels even more powerful than the idea of just like stopping working altogether. Mm, I could see that. Is that something that you... I mean, you're probably realistically five, 10 years out from being able to truly do that. Yeah. 
I'm curious what what are the big changes that for you when you're when, when you look at that timeline the difference between five years and ten years what are the sacrifices that you would have to do to make that happen sooner? Uh, so the sacrifices really have to do with like hustling. Like I would have to do more of the hands-on work. Um, I wouldn't be able to like say I go to yoga two, three times a week during my work week now. So I'd have to cut that out. Um, I wouldn't have time for take, like I'm taking four weeks off in the coming months. I wouldn't be able to do stuff like that. And it's just not healthy for me at this point. Um, I mean, I, I feel for people that don't have the option to just change their business like that when they realize they have health issues, but fortunately I have, and I completely restructured my business to create that space. So I am actually doing a lot more stuff for free now because I've restructured things. So it's already started. I feel like the idea of like the mini retirement and like giving stuff for free has already started to be weaved into my Mm -hmm. business at this point. So it actually feels really spacious. I don't feel, I don't feel worried about working for the next 10 years because it doesn't feel exhausting. Yes. That's huge. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Which is a big change. I I love that it, it's something that you're starting to incorporate into your life currently. And that kind of goes into the whole concept of financial abundance and so I'm curious for you, what what are you seeing for women specifically? I think we tend to be the ones, I don't know why this is, I talked to my, my partner about this and I'm like, I feel like this isn't really an abundant thinking. He's like, what do you, like, just do it. Like, I don't understand it. But for, for me, I really internalize that stuff. So I'm curious, what is the difference between like financial abundance and restriction? And this is yeah. something that you are kind of alluding to, which I'm excited to dive into. Yeah, well, so- Again, there's an aspect of it that's like societal, and then there's an aspect of it that's related to the oppression women have experienced for the last however many generations. So part of it is just like the way our system is structured. There's a hierarchy of the people that are wealthy versus the rest of mm-hmm. <laughs> the rest of the world, and all the steps in between, right? And there's that cycle of like you have to hustle to make money, and then you don't have any energy at the end of the day to heal or grow. And so that's like an oppressive system culturally that keeps you in a deficit energy. Like there's never beliefs, like there's never enough or I'm not worthy of, of freedom or, or financial abundance. Those are things that subconsciously are operating in our system. And it's, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. If your energy is, is is operating under the belief I am never going to have financial security, you're not going to be like looking for opportunities for financial abundance because your belief system is that's not for me. And so you live in this sort of tunnel vision. Whereas when you are operating from financial abundance, like the possibilities are endless. You, you, you see possibilities because your eyes are open to all of that. You're like, I am financially abundant and you, you're, capable of seeing everything that might be coming your way as an opportunity. Mm. And the the energies are different in your body too, right? Like deficit energy is like a closed off eyes down, like tense, Mm. (laughs) collapsed. It could be tense. It could be collapsed. It could be anxious, 
but it's not like a calm, pleasant energy. It's not expansive. So you think like, you know, closed in. Um, whereas an abundant energy is like expansive. Your eyes are open. You're looking up. You're, you're, you're grounded. You're, you're spacious in your, in your body and your energy. And people respond differently to you in those different energetics, right? Like, so even just if you think about it from a body language perspective, if you show up like this versus like this, you're going to get a different response from people and somebody might hand you an opportunity if you're open and you're looking for it. Mm. You're you're open to relating to them versus like you're closed off and you're not even making contact with them, that person. They're not going to try to connect with you. Oh, that's so true. So it's almost that that state of energy is kind of what's determining what we even view as opportunity or how many opportunities we think we have is, are we actually open to them? Are we seeing yeah. them? Yeah. Are you confident that it's possible for you? Mm-hmm. You know, like if you see this, like say there's like, I don't know, an investor over there right. that just wants to hand you money. Like if you believe that you don't deserve it or it's not for you, you're not, you're going to look at that person and be like, Psh that person's not going to talk to me yeah. versus if you're like, I'm open to all the possibilities that person's going to walk over to you and be like, Hey, you want some money? You know, yeah, for sure though. No, you're right. So it's, it's, it has a lot to do with your energy. And then there's this, also this layer of, um, you know, the oppression of women right. that whether we recognize it or not as women, we internalize that impression on a body level. Mm. So it's, even if intellectually you're thinking all the right things, you're saying all the right things, again, your energy might not be aligned with that. Got it. So, for example, like a lot of women, um, people please, right? Like they, it's it's something we've been conditioned to do as women and it's very unconscious. We don't realize we're doing it. But subconsciously, like we don't, we don't believe that it, it's okay for us to be in our power and to be asking for what we want and need, you know, Mm -hmm. that we can't be direct with our opinions. Um, And like, I watch it sometimes even play out in like our mastermind group. Like it's, it's part of the subconscious dynamics. And so, um, you know, that energy, whether we want to accept it or not, can live in our body and keep us limited. So if you're people pleasing, for example, you're not going to be setting boundaries for what you actually need, mm. you know, and you're, you're constantly giving your energy away to other people. And so you're constantly, again, in deficit. You don't have enough energy for yourself at the end of the day to heal and grow. This is really fascinating. And I completely agree. And I can see directly how that would impact relationships, the way we feel about ourselves. I think that's probably the most important relationship, but there's that portion of it, our finances, the way we show up in our jobs, all it, like yeah. all of it. Like, so I guess the, the natural next question is, yes, we identify with that. How, how do we fix that? What do you do about <laughs> what do we, it? We fix our lives. What do we got to do? <laughs> it's a very, it's a very solid next thought. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the, the process of growing out of that or healing from it is 
A, recognizing that even if you do everything right on an intellectual or verbal level, that your energy might not be aligned. Mm. And so it's recognizing that there might be something in your body that holds you back. And you'll know because you'll be like, I'm doing like, I'm, I I know this is like the way I want my life to go, but I just can't tap into that abundance. Like I can't tap into that magic. And I know I'm, I know like I have the power to be magnetic and not have to chase after opportunities or not have to force things. I just can't get there. And so those belief systems, like recognizing what they look like in our body and how they, they hold us back. It's really about understanding the somatics of it like Mm -hmm. the energy like are you living like this okay great what needs to happen to get you out of that state both in the moment right because like sometimes you can't stop a meeting and process what's happening in your system (laughs) like time out everybody (laughs) yeah excuse me I need to process my belief system right now you know you, you, you just have to change the state that you're in. You have to choose not to be here, but to be here. Um, so that's one way, but that doesn't create long lasting change. It only changes things in the moment. So if you know you're operating from a belief system that's not healthy, you can choose not to be in it. You don't have to just like live in it all the time just because your body's saying that's what's supposed to happen. You can choose to just tap like change into a different state in your body Mm -hmm. and then later to actually create the long lasting change of not having the trigger like not being triggered at all or not going to that reaction ever again then you have to do the healing work so I mean that has to happen ideally with a therapist or a coach that does embodiment work because you can't really learn something that you haven't been modeled Mm, that's so true so like if if you have you don't have a um internalized model of worth around finances it's difficult to just make it up (laughs) like you can but it takes longer it's nice to have somebody that is sitting with you and from a body perspective can teach your body that that's possible and it's for you um and and if you think about it like a good portion of, of our communication I think there's some I don't know if this statistic is real, but like 80% of our communication is nonverbal, right? A, a lot of our communication is nonverbal. Mm-hmm. So body to body healing is really important. And so that looks like uh, breath work, dance, coaching, art as a tool for processing, meditation, inner child work. Like there's so many different ways to heal but you have to do the healing work. And some of it can be done on your own too. But I do think that the fastest way is is that body-to-body relationship. This might be a naive question, but if we notice that we naturally, like when we think about our inner child, it's like begging for play and we can see that. Is Is it enough of a healing work to just go do the art or go do something playful. Like, is that truly all it takes is to just like really go do what you're craving? Yeah, man, it it can be. It really just depends like where you are in your process of healing. Like, so first in in the healing process, you recognize that you have a blind spot. Mm -hmm. And then you start to realize after the fact that you've done the thing that's related to that blind spot. You're like, oh God, I did that thing. And then you get closer and closer to awareness of the thing that you're doing in the moment. 
And then eventually you have control over it in the moment. So depending on where you are in that sort of like process of healing, you have more control over the healing process, right? So like if you, if you're that far along, you know that you have a belief system that play is not safe or, you know, play is not something that you're worthy of because you didn't get that need Mm -hmm. met when you were a kid. Then yeah, all you have to do is just like go outside and play. It doesn't have to be any more than that. You can go like, you know, I was swinging the other day because my inner child was like, you need to swing more. Um, So yes, it can be that. And it also might be more complicated depending on where you are in your process. That's fair too. And I I can imagine we all have trauma in some way, whether we like it or not. Yeah. (laughs) And so it's understanding where's that coming from? How is that showing up? How is that kind of like what you were saying? Are we restricting? Are we just changing our initial state and then knowing when to get help? Should you find you're not healing? Is that something where Kim, is it something where let's say I'm, I'm going through this work and I'm trying for three months and I don't feel any different or I'm not seeing any changes. Is that something where, is there a certain time frame where you're like, no, you really should reach out to a professional for help? Um, you know, I think that's, it's a personal preference. Like I'm always working with somebody personally yeah. for my own personal development process. Totally. That was a lot of personals in a row. <laughs> 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 um, you know, I meet with somebody weekly and I've been doing that for the most part since I was like 19. So I I think that that's really a huge part of life for me is, yeah. is, is committing and investing in my personal development process because that not only impacts me on a personal level, but it impacts me on a business level, like on a sure. financial level. I don't think I could be where I am now if I hadn't done all of that healing work. So it's not just about like crisis. It's not just like I'm in crisis and I need help. It's about there's more potential for me. So if you feel like there's more possibility, like I'm meant for more and I'm not tapping into my potential, hire a coach. Like that's the best time to be working with a coach because you have lots of action energy and all you need to do is 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 figure out what to do with it. You need to like get into a better relationship with you to create that clarity and and tap into the creative process that's about to happen. So yeah. personally, I don't think there's ever a time to not be working with somebody, but yeah, as sure. my belief system, um, you know, I think if, if you if you feel stalled, there's no reason to wait to reach out. Investing in yourself in my experience, always brings more financial abundance. So I think so too. And I think it's, it's so nice to have somebody who can kindly call you on your BS and these narratives that are not serving us (laughs) because we all have them. (laughs) So it's nice to have somebody that's like, yo, this is whack. I don't know why you keep telling yourself this. (laughs) Like I get it, but Hey, maybe we could do something a little healthier. (laughs) I appreciate it. I love that. Yeah. And just, you know, just so you know, that's kind of the difference between a therapist and a coach is that mm-hmm. most therapists will not tell you, hey, yes. you have this limiting belief. They work on helping you trust yourself to see things clearly in yourself. Whereas mm. a coach generally will say, you have a belief system you need to work on and here's how. That makes so much sense. That's so funny because I've I've done therapy and coaching 
And I noticed that I, I tend to respond, I guess, better with coaching. Yeah. And maybe that's because I've gone through, I don't know, X, Y, Z years yeah. of therapy. So that could be the case, but that is yeah. really funny. Yeah. I do. I do think personally, and I, you know, you don't have to buy into this, but <clears throat> I see coaching as like the step beyond therapy. Like when you no yeah. longer need therapy, that's when you hire a, a good coach, like a coach that has some background in psychology too. So they're not just like giving you goals and instructions. They're also able to help you unpack the embodiment of a pattern. Because mm-hmm. sometimes the goals, you know, goal setting is not always enough. You're like, well, duh, like I, I know I want to reach that goal too. And I can't get it. That's why I <laughs> hired you in the first place. You know? Right. So yeah, I, that's, that's how I see it. I like it. Tell us a little bit. I know you've got a couple spaces where people can work with you. So is this on a therapy level or is this more on a coaching level? Yeah, I, it's all coaching. I do have a psychotherapy practice. So, you know, I, Brave Embodiment Counseling is the name of the psychotherapy practice I own. And that's, it's a holistic group. So people that are also supporting from a mind, emotion, body, soul level, not just, you know, talk therapy. We do a lot of other types of work there. But um, my coaching groups, so I have a mastermind group where we kind of help women tap into their power, whatever that means, relationship-wise, um, career, all of the above. Like I said, like you were saying, a belief system impacts like all areas of your life. So we tend to work with women around two patterns. One is um, kind of giving away their power to other people, like mm-hmm. that people-pleasing pattern. And the other is taking too much responsibility for things, which is kind of like women in our culture. Those are the two patterns that keep us limited the most. So we work on those two patterns and helping women really break into their potential. That's fantastic. And how long is that program typically? It's a six month program. um, And there's like all kinds of different components to it. I made it, um, I created it after a divorce and like spending years, just like spinning my wheels, trying to find the help that I needed. So I kind of created this program based off what I felt like I really needed to get unstuck from all of that unnecessary, like crying (laughs) and struggling at that point. Um, So yeah, it's really meant for like a lot of movement, a lot of transformation in a short amount of time. I dig it. I think that sounds like incredible stuff. And that's going to be all linked in the show notes. So if anybody wants to go check it out, uh, follow you on Instagram, highly recommend it. I'm always getting tidbits and takeaways and love following all of your stuff on Instagram. I think it's really great. Thank you. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I, I love, I love, I love witnessing your work and your journey too. It's really amazing to have this relationship. You know, I, I, I really value having relationships with women. They're like total badasses and really vice versa vice versa okay friend i know you have to run and hop on another call soon but before we officially part ways are you down for some rapid fires sure let's do it all right (laughs) first one where's one location you're dying to travel to Mm, probably like bali as woo woo as i could possibly go i love it what is one book you find yourself gifting most often um uh, so I, I often send people to this book called the five personality patterns. 
it's all about the embodiment of um, the different patterns that we can get stuck in and and how to get unstuck. I love it. It's really, really good. Yeah. I will definitely add that to my reading list. What is one purchase you recently made that has made your life better? Mm, yoga classes. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> my last question for you, in your opinion, what is the secret to financial success? Mm. So I, I really feel like financial success is more about being in alignment with your values as opposed to having a ton of money. So um, financial success to me is really more about making sure that you're spending money or saving money based on what's going to create the most joy and and um, freedom, love, connection, the things that you really that actually matter in life. I love it. Kim, thank you so much for your time. It was so fun chatting with you and hearing mm -hmm. about your crazy documentary experience too. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Okay. What'd you think? What were your takeaways? I think my biggest takeaway was that whole conversation around financial abundance versus restriction and how we can be kind of careful of that and what that can show up in our lives as. I thought that was really helpful. And I know I definitely took away a lot of nuggets of wisdom from this episode. I'm curious for you, what were your takeaways? Take a screenshot of this, tag me and Kim on Instagram. Both of our Instagram handles are linked in the show notes and let us know like what were your takeaways? What did you learn from this? Did you listen? Just <laughs> give us some feedback. Sometimes it feels like we're in a little bit of a silo over here in podcast world, but it's really fun to connect with you and see who's listening in. All right. That's it for today. Thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate you. I hope you're having a great week and I will see you next week for another episode of the Money Nerds podcast. Bye. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.